0: Why I preach about hell because Jesus preached about it Jesus preached about hell more than most liberal pastors in fact many evangelical pastors don't preach about hell anymore when I was a young man in early Pentecost we heard a lot about hell we heard about heaven we heard about eternity we heard about hell Jesus preached it even to his friends you know you you, if you took the tape that I'm preaching tonight and you gave it to a liberal preacher who doesn't believe in the virgin birth for example he wouldn't even listen to five minutes of it. He'd get so beat red in his face, his, his veins would pop out in his neck. And he said, That's a bunch of garbage because Jesus is love. And how can a God of love, a Christ of love, make a hell while well, people burn eternally? How can that be p- compatible to the love of Jesus Christ? They don't realize that not only is God a God of love, but he's also a God of holiness, he's a God of justice. And Jesus makes it very clear that there is a hell. He even preached this message to his friends. I'm reading to you from Luke 12:5, And I say unto you my friends, he's not talking to drug addicts, alcoholics, he's not talking to sinners he's talking to his own disciples and he's talking to them about hell and listen to what Jesus says about hell to his own friends I say unto you my friends be not afraid of them that kill the body and after that have no more that they can do to you but I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he's killed have power to cast into hell. Yea, I send you fear him. He has the power to cast into hell. Everyone who goes to hell will be cast there by Jesus. Now I've always believed that Jesus gets no uh, joy out of the death of the sinner. Isaiah said that. He gets no joy out of the death of the sinner. But my Bible makes it clear when the day of grace is finished, our Lord Jesus, after He stand, they stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, is going to say, "Depart from me!" He's going to have His angels bind them hand and foot and cast them into hell. They're going to be cast into hell by the hand of Christ Himself. Jesus warned even of hell fire. He's the first one to introduce hell fire. He talked about hell fire before all the apostles preached it. For whosoever shall say, "Thou fool," shall be in danger of hell. Fire. That's what Jesus said. Jesus taught that if your eye offend you, pluck it out. If your arm offends you, cut it off. Better to go to heaven with a body that's disfigured than to go into hell with a whole body that has been abused. And that's what the scripture says, if your right eye offends you pluck it out. Better that one of your members perish and not that your whole body should be cast into hell. That's Jesus preaching about hell again. Jesus warned Two cities Bethsaida and Capernaum he said thou shall be brought down to hell if all the miracles I preached other places had been preached in you they would have repented but because you've rejected me thou shall be cast down to hell Jesus said that I'm giving you five times Jesus preached on hell Jesus warned the scribes and the Pharisees he said you serpents you hypocrites now listen, sometimes people don't like when I stand in the pulpit when other preachers that are preaching holiness, they said, you take such a strong stand. You sound almost mean. I don't mean to be mean. I'm just mad at the devil, nobody else. Amen. But if you think our message is strong, listen to what Jesus said, you serpents, in other words, you snakes, you hypocrites, he's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? How will you ever escape? I I preach hell tonight because Jesus preached hell. I preach hell because I know the sinner's going there. I preach hell tonight because some of your unsaved loved ones are going there. Some of you are sitting here tonight, and you have an unsaved child, a father, a mother, husband, or wife. And you've been sitting in front of a television set, wasting hours instead of being on your face before God. And if you believe there was an eternal hell, if you believe what I'm going to preach tonight with all of your heart, you would at least give equal time in a secret closet to weep and pray for those who are going to hell out of your family. Amen. Some of you are going to wake up one of these days too, and realize it's too late. Amen. You wasted time. You're going to stand before God and many loved ones are going to say, Why didn't you pray for it? Why didn't you bring heaven down to me? Why didn't you bring the conviction of the Holy Ghost upon my heart? Amen. All right, let me tell you what hell I believe is going to be like. First of all, hell is going to be the home of Satan, the Antichrist, the beast, all the demons and evil spirits of hell, all false prophets, and all the wicked transgressors of all times. Now, I don't know where hell is. Some people teach that it's in the heart of the earth because when volcanoes erupt, it's white hot lava and and they get the idea that it might be in the pits of the earth. Well, my Bible said there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And in this new earth, I don't think I want heaven on top of hell. I don't think I would want to be in a heaven where hell was boiling in its bowels. No, I really don't believe that's it. When the Bible says that they're going to be cast into outer darkness, this may be a planet. Do you know that out there, above all the stars, there are galaxies and galaxies that outside of the sun and moon, those are just reflections of our sun. There's a darkness out there that you can't describe. There's a darkness that the human mind can't comprehend. And the Bible said hell is a bottomless pit. I believe that that means the cosmos. I believe that means the atmosphere. And I believe it may be a planet. I don't know. But this planet will be flung out into eternal space. And it will float. It will be cast further and further all through eternity. It will drift further and further out away from the presence of God. Away from all that is of Christ. It will go out into a darkness. And I'm going to describe that darkness to you from the Bible in just a moment. It's described as a furnace of fire. And what that means is bondage. Because remember when the Israelites were in Egypt, the scripture says you were delivered from a furnace of fire. It meant you were delivered from slavery. I, everybody in hell is going to be enslaved. They're going to be enslaved to lust, and I'll talk to you about that in just a moment. But it's talking about the spiritual or, or rather the physical and spiritual slavery of everyone who's being cast into hell. But you see, the Bible calls hell a kingdom of darkness. And his kingdom is full of darkness. Revelation 16, 10. There shall be... Now, you know that in heaven there's not going to be any need for the sun or the moon or the stars. How many know that? There's no need for the sun anymore. There'll be no sun. There'll be no moon because Jesus is the light. That's what the scripture says. And there shall be no night there. This is in heaven. There will be no... uh, There will be be no sun, there will be no other candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God will give the light. And the city has no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine, for the glory of the Lord shall lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Hallelujah. We don't need the moon, we don't need the sun, because Jesus is the light of the world from that time on. Hallelujah. But there's an eternal darkness without a speck of light, it's a blackness that's reserved, a darkness forever. And that means there's a gloom in this darkness. The Bible said this darkness is so heavy that they will gnaw their tongues for pain. They will gnaw their tongues for pain only as a result of the feeling of the darkness. In Egypt, when God sent the plagues, the darkness was so powerful, the Bible says they could feel it. Even a darkness which may be felt, Exodus 10:21. It was a thick darkness, a darkness that can be felt. Now, God is going to create a special darkness. The darkness you see around you right now, you can look around outside of the lights that we see. If we turn them off, there would be a lot of darkness here. But that would be blazing sunlight compared to the darkness that God has created. God's Word says He creates darkness and He creates light. He's going to create a special darkness. And this will be an absolute kingdom of darkness the fire of hell does not have light to it it will not be light at all there are elements that we have not even discovered science has not discovered i believe there are thousands of elements that have not been discovered there's a hell fire that is a liquid gaseous fire that's never been known to mankind especially created by god for hell i've heard it said god didn't create hell for people The scripture said hell was created for the devil and his angels. But I want to show you something. God's been changing my thinking on this. I want to go into the scripture. Jesus warned, But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The weeping and the gnashing of teeth is because of the sense of this darkness. When someone is damned, cast into outer darkness, it's that drifting away from the presence of God. You know, it's only the Holy Ghost that keeps this world together right now. If the Holy Spirit were gone, if all the Christians were gone, there would be anarchy, there would be murder, there would be rape, break loose all over the land and around the world. It's only the Holy Spirit that keeps it all together right now. Saints, when we're gone, there's no way to describe what's going to happen even on this earth, let alone in hell. It's also a spiritual darkness. Everyone that goes to hell who once may have had a touch of Jesus. They knew something of the gospel. They had a little bit of discernment. I want you to know, I used to think that when sinners go to hell or backsliders end up in hell, they'd fall on their face. They'd cry out to God for mercy, hoping there'd be another chance. But I believe that the moment Jesus cast the backslider, the compromise of the sinner into outer darkness, suddenly there's going to be a spiritual darkness down over their eyes. The prophets say God will smear their eyes. They're going to lose all discernment. And there's going to be such a spiritual darkness that if God should send Paul the apostle into hell and he would preach repentance and say, God has sent me to give you one last chance, nobody in hell would repent. Nobody in hell would obey. Not one soul in hell would repent, even though Paul the apostle preached at the best of his ability because the devil will so deceive them there'll be such a darkness, a spiritual darkness in hell, that they would believe that if they were to leave hell and go to heaven, that that would be a worse hell than they already have. That's the kind of spiritual darkness that's coming. I see that spiritual darkness right now when we go out in the streets of New York. You go out to those who are about dead on crack, prostitutes that are just able to keep themselves moving, and you talk to them about a heaven, You talk to them about a new body. You talk to them about Jesus, about being saved. Jesus will bring you to a new life. They don't want anything to do with it. They're already dark. If people will not come to Jesus and accept heaven now, where there's so much light, what do you think they're going to do in hell even if I were there, Paul was there, even if Jesus himself went into hell and preached redemption? Not one sinner would repent in hell and accept heaven. Not one because the darkness, they would be so deceived. The enemy would say, you go there, you think you're in hell now. And I'll tell you what, I have people come to Times Square Church and they're so miserable they can't sit there. They can't sit there listening to the choir. And some of you don't know Jesus, you're miserable here. And now that's under the day of grace. How miserable would you be then if you thought of being taken out of hell and spend time with Jesus? The misery would be inexplainable to you. Now, hell is more than just being shut off from God I used to think that no hell is where Jesus is going to take vengeance on the sinner who's reject he's going to take vengeance and he's going to repay those who've turned down his call time and time again I'm going to read it to you in flaming fire he will take vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall be punished hell is a punishment hell is a punishment I read it again who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power Jude said they will suffer the vengeance of eternal fire Paul said we know him that said vengeance belongeth to me I will repay saith the Lord it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God vengeance is mine saith the Lord I will repay Listen, those that are in hell are not in the hands of the devil. They're in the hands of Jesus. All through eternity, they're going to be in the hands of Jesus. They're going to be, the Bible said, the wages of sin is death. It's payday. It's payday in hell. And, and someone says, well, they get the idea when God casts sinners into hell, he just forgets them and turns them over the devil. That's not true at all. The Bible makes it clear that God is a God who hates sin. That's his nature. His nature will not change in eternity. You say, how long will there be torment in hell? As long as God lives, as long as God exists, a time eternal. God will always hate sin. He'll hate sin even though we're in heaven. He'll still hate sin, and He'll still be taking vengeance on the sinner all the time that we're in heaven. He's going to be taking vengeance. He will be punishing the sinner all through eternity. Now, you listen to me about God's ability to punish the sinner. Do you remember how God just spoke the word and... The dust in Egypt became lice. He just spoke the word and the frogs sprang up all over the land. He spoke the word and the firstborn was killed by the angel overnight of all Egypt. He spoke the word and the waters returned to blood. My Jesus just spoke the word and fire fell from heaven and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He spoke the word and the floods came and destroyed the earth. He can speak the word. Can you imagine the destruction, the punishment that God will pour out upon those who have heard and heard and rejected and rejected, especially on America? America who's had television and radio and the gospel baptized. We've had a flood of it. Do you mean to tell me in hell God's going to have any mercy? God's going to have a special kind of destruction for American Christians, our brother backsliders, than those who have rejected the gospel in America. Amen. 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 Bible says in hell Satan will be tormented night and day. He'll be tormented himself. I want to tell you that I believe hell is a place of rage. All through eternity, sinners are going to rage and curse against God. I used to. Well, well, just let me read to you a scripture. In fact, this is in Revelation. I think it's the the fourth angel is sent forth to scorch men with heat. Now this is before eternity comes. These are the plagues, these are the tribulations, these are the the, the great tribulations where God's trying to shake the world. and He's scorching men with heat. Now you remember the heat wave we had this past summer and they talk about a greenhouse effect, they're going to get hotter and hotter. But can you imagine a time when there's going to be an angel sent forth and he's going to scorch men with heat? Now this is not even hell. God's just saying, I'm going to give you a little taste of hell. I'm just going to give you a little taste of hell. And He's just scorching men with heat. They're not in hell yet. They're just being scorched with heat. You think people will repent when God starts sending judgment on America and the world? Listen to what the Bible says. And men were scorched with great heat, but they blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues, and they repented not to give Him glory. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains, And sores, and they did not repent of their evil deeds. Listen, we have a ministry to AIDS victims in New York. We have a young man that works with AIDS victims, and some of our our, uh, in our Timothy House minister to those with AIDS. Would you think that a young man or woman who has AIDS, he's a homosexual and a drug addict, he's discovered he has AIDS? Wouldn't you think that he knows he's about he's about to die? He's in a hospital. You go in the room. And you see a look that you haven't seen in anybody's face. It's a look of rage. It's a look of hatred and anger. And he's cursing God. And you go to his bed and you say, you're about to die. Don't you want to meet God right? And he's mad at God. He has his fists clenched. And you won't find anyone except a few who've repented, who have AIDS. There is a rage against God. And they die cursing God. They die cursing God. Can you imagine the rage that there's going to be in hell? Let me tell you why they're going to be mad enough. Let me tell you why they're going to, they're going to shake their fist at God and blaspheme the God of heaven all through eternity. I said, well, what, what's going to cause the real pain in hell? And God gave me the answer. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. Because the cross is the offense of the gospel. And let me tell you what it's going to be like when sinners wake up in hell. They're going to learn that the way of salvation though they wouldn't accept it here was a simple look up and live all you had to do is look to the cross of Jesus and live but there are going to be thousands and thousands of Jews who say oh God I kept 613 Commandments I kept the sukkah I had that little booth on my roof and I stayed there for seven days I washed my pots and my pans. I I, I, I was afraid of, I, I would not pollute myself with the Gentiles. There'll be Hasidic Jews there who said, I did not shake hands with a woman. I did not even let go in to eat a meal till I washed my hands. I didn't touch a Gentile. I did everything the law told me to do. And they're going to they're going to find out in hell it was not by works. It was just look up and live. It was the cross of Jesus. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It's salvation by faith. It's not your works. And that's going that's going to be the offense in hell. they say, God, you tricked us. It's too easy. You made it too easy. Iranians. Two million Iranian soldiers, some of them 12 and 14 years old, who came against the Iraqi guns and the Ayatollah Khomeini said, you go and I give you paradise. You'll have as many women. You'll have all the all the booze that you can drink, you can have all the sex all through eternity, and they thought by going out there and giving their lives for the Ayatollah, they would have paradise. They're gonna wake up in hell one day, and Jesus, they're going to hear from the portals of heaven that thunderous voice of God, not by works, not if you give your body to be burned at the stake, but through Jesus, my son, and the cross. That's the offense of hell. There'll be millions of Catholics and I'm not down on Catholics, but there are many Catholics who have not come to Jesus. There are going to be people so I went to Mass every morning. I said millions of Hail Marys. I went and told the priest all my sins. But then you're going to hear this. Only one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. You missed the cross. You missed the cross. You missed salvation by faith. It's not by works. And there are going to be millions in hell, shocked and surprised, saying, I worked, I did everything I could, I was a good man, I was charitable, I did everything. And they're saying, Oh God, you tricked us, it was too easy. It's the offense of the cross of Jesus Christ. Perhaps if I told you tonight that you could be saved, if you got on your hands and knees and walked from here to, to Harrisburg, there'd be thousands of people willing to do it if they could get the eternal soul saved. But that simple look up and live. All right, quickly, I'm gonna, let me give you three other things that I'm going to, I believe, describe what hell is going to be like. Hell is a place where your lust is going to burn out of control and never be satisfied. I've, I've heard people say, well, Brother Dave, wait a minute. If the darkness is so thick, it's so gloomy that they gnaw their tongues with pain, it's a darkness that you can feel. If there's going to be a lake of fire, if there's going to be such slavery, if there's going to be such raging against God, how can there be a lust that's raging out of control? Oh, I've seen it right outside the door of Times Square Church. You look at, you look at the man that came to our church a few months ago dying with AIDS. He was skin and bone. His tongue was black. His lips were parched. His eyes sunken in his head. It looked like a walking skeleton. Somebody had to hold him up. Now, don't clap tonight because it has a tragic end to the story. But he gave his heart to Jesus, and the Lord did something in him. In the next two weeks, his health came back. He gained about ten pounds. He came, he started coming to Times Square Church. You couldn't even believe the change in him it was incredible we thought we had our first healing of AIDS and when he got his health back he went right back to the bus station and started connect with his homosexuals he went out with filthy homosexuals right in the bus stations and went right back to it and now that man is right in fact he may be dead now last I heard he was a skeleton again I was in a hospital in Houston Texas my wife was there for uh, consultation on uh, c- cancer It's uh, one of the major cancer hospitals in New York in Houston Texas and there was a woman being wheeled out she'd had I think a lung removed and her throat was removed and she had a little hole right here little hole where uh, a little voice box little hole right here with the little uh, plastic opening and she was a chain smoker They're willing her out. The woman is almost dead. I don't know if it was her husband who was standing. They were willing her into the ambulance. And she said, smoke, smoke. They lit up a cigarette and she held it to the hole and puffed it in the hole. Don't tell me in hell there won't be desire. There will be these poor. they are going to be bodies. You're not going to be just a spirit in hell. The Bible calls them vessels of wrath fitted destruction vessels of wrath that's going to be a flesh and bone person just as you see me here just as you see those around you there will be bodies that will not be consumed in the fire they will fill the fire never be consumed all through eternity but there will be a lust if you think you have a desire now for sex or drugs or alcohol you may be able to rob and steal if you have to to get it but there'll be no satisfying that lust will grow and grow through eternity and never be satisfied Rock Hudson the movie star he knows he's dying with AIDS he knows his days are being counted and he walks into gay bars in San Francisco and connects with homosexuals even though he knows he's dying and spreading the disease the Bible said it's going to be a lake of fire five times in the Bible it calls it it calls it a lake of fire you know I believe it's called a lake of fire because the Bible says on the judgment day, and I'm going to read it to you. I saw a great white throne, and him that sat upon, it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. And there was found no place for them. No place for them to rest. Now, if you're out in the middle of a lake, you know there's no place to lay down. If you're, and I don't know how, if this is it's describing a fiery gas there there's a fire that we know nothing about. A painful fire. I believe in a literal fire. Rock Hudson, the movie star. He knows he's dying with AIDS. He knows his days are being counted. And he walks into gay bars in San Francisco and connects with homosexuals, even though he knows he's dying and spreading the disease. The Bible said it's going to be a lake of fire. Five times in the Bible it calls it, it, calls it a lake of fire. Do you know why I believe it's called a lake of fire? Because the Bible says on the judgment day, and I'm going to read it to you. I saw a great white throne, and him that sat upon, it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. And there was found no place for them. No place for them to rest. Now, if you're out in the middle of a lake, you know there's no place to lay down. If you're, and I don't know how, if this is, is describing a fiery gas. There, there's a fire that we know nothing about, a painful fire. I believe in a literal fire, and I'm going to. I believe also in a supernatural kind of fire, a, a, a inner fire as well as an outer fire. But you see, when the Bible said there's no place for them, when they stand before the great white throne judgment the Bible says from that day on there's no place for them there's no place to rest no place to lay their head and they're going to be wandering about in this lake of fire with no place to sit no place to lay their head and the Bible said they're going to seek death and not be able to find it the most welcome friend in hell would be death or if I could but die if I could end it there'll be the ripping of the flesh there will be every attempt to kill and destroy this body but this body will be indestructible hell will never end it's everlasting think of it no end of hell the Puritans tried to describe what eternity is like and one Puritan preacher said imagine that the earth was one big ball of sand all the mountains all the lakes all the seas one big ball of sand 25,000 miles in circumference and suppose That once every million years, a little bird would come in and take away one grain of sand, disappear. A million years later, he comes and gets another grain of sand, and he disappears. After about a billion years, he's taken away, the little bird's taken enough uh, sand to fill a shoe. Not even a shoe. And if he were to remove and come once every million years and take away one grain of sand, and trillions and septillions of years and years beyond our comprehension he were able to move this 25,000 miles round of sand hell would just begun eternity would just be starting it would just be the beginning of this everlasting thing that our minds can't even comprehend. don't even try to think about it men have lost their minds trying to reach the end of eternity you can't reach it. It's a circle. I had a young man hear me announce this message. I preached it a few weeks ago in our church. He was visiting from Vancouver, Canada. And he, he opened his shirt and he said, Look, and he pulled up his sleeve. He had a body suit on. It's called a body suit, it's a flesh toned, like a rubber suit because he'd been burned over 80% of his body. It's a skin-colored suit. In fact, I, it, he rolled it up in his skin. It was horrible. He had 80% of his body burned. They had to take, shave his head and take skin off his scalp to put on his face. And he said, Brother Dave, I want you to know that I spent weeks experiencing a taste of hell he said I, I, I got a job on a oil rig there were 12 of us on this rig I worked there for two and a half weeks I was going to quit the next day the day before we went out to the rig I was witnessing to a young man about Jesus and the boy that was sitting next to him one of the riggers jumped up angry he said don't you ever preach Jesus in this place again I don't want to hear that garbage I never want to hear the name of Jesus and he threatened him he said don't preach Jesus I want to hear nothing about it and he, he was ready to hit this young man the next day in the afternoon they're out in the rig and the rig blew up two were killed burned to a crisp instantly and the other 10 were burned I mean uh, this young man was burned over eighty percent of his body spent four months in a, three or four months in the hospital Implant after implant, and he said brother Dave when I was running from the fire I looked down and this young man who'd cursed me and said I never want to hear Jesus again His body was so charred his hands were coming up like this. They were black and he was holding them up His hair was burned his face was black and all you could see was the white and blue of his eyes And he was trying to say something this boy dragged him out further away from the fire And he leaned over, and he was trying to say something. you know what the last words of this boy was? The last words, he's about to go to hell. You know what he said? He could hardly speak. He said, do I still have a nose? I feel my nose is burned off. Is my nose still there? All he could think about was his nose. He's in hell. This young man it was in at our church this is just uh, 10 days ago he said brother Wilkerson when I was burned already percent of my body the Lord gave me a taste of hell he's put such a fear in my heart I know there's a little hell I didn't want to go to sleep night or day because I thought I'd slip into it he said I've tasted of that in my physical body I've known what it was that no morphine no drug could stop the pain there wasn't a drug known. I was in agonizing pain for three months he said one night I couldn't take it anymore I, I thought I'd slip into hell because he was thinking over all of his past life and his compromises he wasn't in danger but God was putting his marvelous fear in his heart and he prayed oh Jesus I can't take it anymore and the Holy Spirit came down in the room one night and said trust me just trust me trust the blood and he said yes Jesus I'm saved by the blood not by my works Of righteousness and the Holy Spirit came upon him and he fell asleep and the Lord took all the pain away and the Lord did a marvelous work in setting his mind at ease and that young man took me by the hand he said David thank God you're preaching about hell I tasted it it's real who's going there I'll tell you what the majority of people on this earth are going to hell the majority you think of New York City now Sixteen million people. And the majority of that sixteen million people are going to hell. They rejected the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, are there few that are going to be saved? Remember what Jesus said to his disciples? Enter in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that are going in there at. But straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. You say, well, is that fair of God to let a whole city like New York go into hell? What if Paul the Apostle lived today? Wouldn't he have the power to bring that city to its knees? Well Paul did go to the New York City of his day. He went to Athens, that great city, prosperous, intellectual political influenced the whole world and the scripture says now while paul waited for them at athens his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the whole city given to idolatry the whole city and paul preached and only a handful were saved in fact the bible names the number the scripture says certain men clave unto him and believe and god goes on the bible goes on to name about four of them How many were saved out of Sodom? How many were saved out of Sodom? There were four souls saved out of Sodom. How many people were saved when the flood came to the earth? The Bible said eight souls were saved. The majority are going to hell. Now, thank God in these last days, God has a church. There's a mighty army of redeemed. But that mighty armor of redeemed, I mean, though there are millions of them, they represent a drop in the bucket compared to the population of the whole world. If God sent a revival right now to New York City and a million people were saved in the next 30 days, that wouldn't even be a tenth. That would only be 5% of New York City. Be 5%, just a tiny remnant. The majority are going to hell, the Bible says. John said, We know that we are of God and the whole world lies in darkness. The whole world is in darkness. The Bible said the fearful, unbelieving are going there. The abominable, the murderers. Now you say I'm not a murderer, but my Bible said if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. Right. Isn't that what it says? Amen. If you believe that, say amen. amen. If you hate your brother, you're a murderer. All murderers, all war whoremongers, That's harlotry, fornication, sexual debauchery. All sorcerers, that means those who sell and produce or distribute illegal drugs. All idolaters. Hey, don't tell me your television set's not an idol. Why is all the furniture facing it? Why do you sit there and eat in front of it? All idolaters, all idolaters and all liars, all liars. So have their part in the lake of fire shall have their place in the lake of fire the Bible says those who visit prostitutes are going to hell those who visit prostitutes are going to listen to it now for the lips of a strange woman now who's a strange woman anyone but your own any woman who's not yours is a strange woman the Bible says for the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than butter, but her end is bitter, her feet go down to death, her steps take hold of hell. Proverbs 7:27. her house is the way to hell. Proverbs 8, 9, 18, her guests are already in the depths of hell. There are men sitting here right now. Some of you saved from New York City, perhaps. Isn't it true that when you were in the world, you thought that you weren't cheating on your wife if you visited a prostitute? We've got all kinds of Christians who believe that. I don't don't mean Holy Ghost Christians, but those dead Babylonian Christians believe that they're not even cheating on their wife if they go visit a prostitute. My Bible says those who visit prostitutes are damned. Whosoever is not found written in the book of life will be cast into hell. For whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There's a book in heaven. It's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And those who are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and walking by faith in His righteousness, not partaking of the things of this world, their names are written in the book of life. But the Bible said there's a set of books. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. See, there are books and another book. The other book is the book of life. That's the Lamb's book of life. Do you have your name written there tonight, folks? I said, Is your name written in the book? Those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life have their own set of books. They're going to stand before eternal judge and give an account of every sin. The Bible said, He that overcomes. The same shall be clothed with white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before all his holy angels. And that going to be something when Jesus says, Father, meet your son, meet my child. This is ours. He is ours. She is ours. He's going to introduce us to the Father. Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me tell you what I believe before I close now. It's going to be the most incredible aspect of hell. Boy, the Lord showed it to me one day and I've never been the same. It shakes me. You say, Brother Wilkerson, are you afraid of hell? Yes. I fear God. I fear God. I love him. I have the love of God in my heart and his perfect love that casts out all fear, but I have a righteous fear of a holy God. I know that I know better. I know that I've seen the light I know that I can't watch pornography. I know that I can't watch that film. I know I can't do some things that others may allow them because I have the light. And I know I have a holy God will judge me for it. And you and I have the light. And then you sit against that light. There's a payday. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anybody. There's security in the blood of Jesus Christ. But my Bible says the grace of God leads to holiness. The grace of God leads to holiness. And if there's not a practical holiness in you, you don't even know what grace is. Grace is meant to draw you to Jesus to give you power to live a holy life. Amen. Now there's in hell there's a Bible the Bible said there's a worm that never dies. You know what that worm is that never dies? It's the memory, it's the conscience. It's the memory of every chance you've ever had, every gospel message you've heard, every scripture head, every song you heard. Do you know that if you go to hell, you've got to answer and replay what you heard tonight. The message I preach now is going to be preached all through eternity. It's going to ring through the portals of hell. My voice will be heard over and over again. All the preachers that have preached under the unction and anointing of the Holy Ghost with purity in their hearts. Their messages are going to ring. Paul's messages are going to ring all through hell. You know what it's going to be like? Here's a sinner. Stands before God. He's numbered with transgressors. He's answering to every sin that he's ever done. And the Lord Jesus will say, Bind him, bind her, cast her into outer darkness. And I don't know what that passage of outer darkness is like, but you're cast into a passage called outer darkness. And then There's you a wake consciousness up. suddenly that's going to come on you. I'm in hell. I'm in hell. There'll be a darkness that I've described. That veil, those smeared eyes will happen to you in just a moment of time. But in that agony, there will be weeping. Jesus said, now, any preacher that says this is uh, sensationalism, any preacher that says this is foolishness or it's garbage, then they don't know what Jesus said. They don't believe Jesus because Jesus is the one who said there's going to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said it. I've got a right to preach it because Jesus said that. Yeah. But can you imagine what it's going to be like when the conscience begins to turn? And I I call it instant replay. And here's a man. He wakes up in hell. And I can't describe to you. I don't have words to describe what it's going to be like to wake up in hell. I can't describe what it's going to be like to have total darkness darkness that has this been created for lost mankind? I, I don't know what it's like to be associated with demons. I don't know it's like to have the devil put his hand on my shoulder. We talk about demon possession now and we've seen the effect. We've seen people froth at the mouth. We see people curse. We've seen people can't sleep for a whole week. What's it going to be like when he puts his hand out and claims the soul? I don't know what it's going to be like, but this man Who's grieving this man who's cursing this man who's lost this and I'm lost I'm in eternity I'm in hell suddenly the worm turns suddenly this man wakes up and he's back on God's mountain and I'm back here preaching and he said he pinches himself and he feels the pain and he looks around he touches someone next to him and says it was a nightmare I thought I died and went to hell I'm not in hell. Something happened. I'm back in time. And he doesn't wait now. He said, I've had a vision of hell. I'm going to get right with God. And he comes running down. And just he hears me saying, Jesus loves you. Come to Christ. And he says, I will, I will. And he comes running to Christ. And just as he's about to say, Save me, Jesus. And about to feel the relief, it goes back again. And he said, I'm in hell. I am in hell. That was just a memory. He goes on, and suddenly, he's back in his living room. The lights are on. Billy Graham's on television. Billy Graham Crusade. His little girl's playing with a doll. And his wife's coming in with a cup of coffee, and he's sweating. He said, "Honey, please tell me I'm alive." I go back and forth between time and eternity. One minute I'm in hell. One minute I'm in church. One minute I'm in a crusade. I hear these angels singing I hear preachers preaching I hear every scripture I've had and then suddenly I'm back in demon power I'm back in a living hell my body's in pain there's a darkness I can't describe I don't know if I've had LSD slipped into a drink I don't tell me I'm alive he takes his little girl he can feel her body he sees that little doll he touches the doll his wife says drink your coffee honey everything's okay he can feel the hot coffee going down his esophagus and he says oh thank God I'm alive said honey please If I'm alive, I need Jesus quick, and he's on his knees saying, Jesus, save me, but before he can get the words out, he's back in hell. Now he says, no, God, but you see, all through eternity, he's going to replay it, and the next time he knows it's real, and yet he, he knows there's no hope, and he's going to replay it, and replay it all through eternity. Let me tell you something about eternity. Christians, when you and I get to heaven and we see Jesus, there's going to be such a glory that our physical minds can't comprehend it. But it's not going to be just one blast of glory and we live on that blast of glory all through eternity. No, in eternity, there's going to be an ever-increasing ecstasy of Jesus. There's going to be an ever-increasing ecstasy of grace. There's going to be an ever-increasing knowledge of what we've been saved from. An ever-increasing knowledge. All through eternity, Jesus is going to be teaching of His glory. And all through eternity, we won't even scratch the surface. It's going to grow and grow. The joy is going to grow. The glory is going to grow. The beauty of Jesus is going to grow. It's not just a level static thing. It's going to be ever increasing glory of Jesus. But in hell, hell is not just one blast. And suddenly you're there. The darkness will increase. The pain will increase. The worm that turns will increase. The memories will increase. Intensify all through eternity. As our joy increases, they doom and terror and judgment increases no wonder the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God why would Jesus say that why would the Word of God say that if that was not hell he's not talking about Christians is he fearful thing no it's a joyful thing for a Christian to fall in the hands of a living God but it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God Oh, yes, this is why I preach it. I'll scream it if I have to. I'm going to write it. I'm going to preach it because one day I have to stand before God and answer. And I'm telling you, if you're here tonight and you have rejected the Lord, you've gone your own selfish way, you've heard sermon after sermon, you've had preacher after preacher. I'll tell you what saddens me. I see a hardness coming down over people that have heard so much. Last night in our prayer meeting, We had some 600 people at prayer meeting. We have it every Friday night, hundreds are gathering to pray. But last night, a man who came up there, one of our pastors had a spirit of revelation come upon him and said, Brother, you're going to hell because you have a hard heart. We've seen him sit in church for six months now, getting harder and harder. He sits in the front row, and that man hears us thunder against sin. That man hears a broken-hearted pastor after pastor stand there and that man has a hardness in him he just sit there and stand there and blink he's not even in hell yet and he's hard and some of you are getting hard your hearts hardening so that nothing could touch you Jesus Christ himself could stand here in the flesh and not move some of you tonight because your heart has already gotten hard but if you feel yourself slipping into that hardness, cry out to God, oh Jesus, take out of me a hard heart. Give me a heart of flesh. Give me a heart that feels. Give me a heart that can weep. Give me a heart that's sorry for my sin. Give me a heart, oh Lord, that can cry out and reach out to you. Hallelujah. If you, I don't even know, my eyes are not accustomed to the dark out there. I can't even see because of these lights but I'd sure like to pray with you tonight if you're not ready to meet the Lord if there's a hardness that the devil's trying to put in you if this message brings fear to you you know say brother David I'm not right I'm not where I once was the fire of the Lord is not burning in my heart and I feel God's Spirit speaking so clear The word is coming like a knife to your heart. The words I speak now are not mine, they're of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's trying to show you how much Jesus still loves you. And he brings this message to you out of love. Not because he's angry at you, because he loves you. The man who loves you is not the man who flatters you in your sin. The man who loves you will cry out against your sin to save your soul from eternal hell. If you feel the pull and tug of the Holy Spirit... You say, Brother Dave, I need a touch from God tonight. I'm sick of the way it's been going. Get right up out. Stand right up and come and stand here at the front. Wherever you're at, just come and stand here. Let me pray with you. We're going to believe Jesus for a miracle in your life tonight. All over, up on the hillside, wherever you're at. We've got hundreds of people here tonight. Jesus wants to send his fire to your soul. He wants to restore his joy to you. He wants to remove all the hardness. All the hardness. He wants to take it away. We don't need any music, just as the Holy Spirit deals with you and speaks to you wherever you're at. Come on, on the hillside up there, all over the right and the left.